Katie Henriksen, and you're listening to my podcast, Sound Off, on music challenging the status quo. Today's guest is Damon Locks. He's the band leader for the genre-shattering Black Monument Ensemble. I talked to Damon around the time when the group released the critically acclaimed album Now. That was in April of 2021 on the International Anthem label. The project is viscerally poignant. It's also joyous and created during the height of lockdown outside in the swelter of Chicago's summertime. Also a tumultuous moment that coincided with the national protest movement that erupted following the police murder of George Floyd. I can't wait to share our conversation with you. hot, sweaty, there was like thunderstorms happening intermittently, and um, I was super nervous, I I was really concerned and making sure that people were safe, but it was amazingly cathartic to be able to create together again. In in the past, you would have, you'd make material, and then you would rehearse it, and then you'd perform it, and then eventually you would record it. But for the most part, I demoed the the songs, except for one, The Body is Electric, we played before the pandemic. But the other songs, I demoed at home and sent them to them. Maybe the, you know, now Forever Momentary Space, I sent that to them maybe a week before we um, recorded. Some stuff they just got like the day before. <laughs> um, so... We were out in the backyard talking about the themes of the songs and what the lyrics are about and what the energy and the feeling and the emotion of the song for the um, for the presentation, you know, for the performance. So what we hear on the record is mostly like fourth take at the most, but we would kind of rehearse stuff, go over it. Um, if they found something that I hadn't anticipated, you know, something that was beautiful, I had to like restructure the song. Or if the way I wanted to come in to the song didn't work, I would just have to change it in the moment. That experience was just absolutely, it was overwhelming, you know? Like, it was beautiful, but beauty in the way that will make you cry or make you smile, you know, or make your heart ache or make your heart burst with happiness, you know? It was all of those things at once, you know? I think a really good example of... The intensity of that was on the second day of recording, it was the anniversary of the 1963 March on Washington, the Civil Rights March. It was also the anniversary of the death of Emmett Till. So we were recording a song called Keep Your Mind Free, and we were discussing these anniversaries. Keep Your Mind Free, the that idea of that song or the the phrase of that song started when <clears throat> earlier that summer or you know right after the pandemic started uh, i i work for a a program called prison and neighborhood arts and education project we teach arts and humanities classes uh, among other things at stateville correctional center which is a maximum security prison uh when the pandemic hit classes stopped and we pivoted towards getting sanitizer and soap to 
the guys that were incarcerated. And there were these actions that were happening that were asking for decarceration for folks that were eligible, the 65 and older, people that almost finished their their sentences, people with health conditions, you know, like there were these measures that people were trying to like help people that are incarcerated because there's, they don't have space to, um, to socially distance. And we knew that there wasn't a lot of sanitizer to go around. So all the things that we were doing to protect ourselves, they didn't have that. And, um, so there were these actions that were, were, you know, encouraging decarceration and, I did a, a illustration for one of the actions and I put the phrase, keep your mind free on it because that's what I would tell the guys inside, you know, who, um, that's what I would tell any people that were, um, incarcerated with this fear of encroaching COVID, you know, oh, in, a, in a space where you can't go anywhere. So, um, as time progressed in, in the, um, pandemic, um, I had organized this uh, with the Experimental Sound Studio. I organized an event, uh, a musical event, where um, myself, Jeff Parker, Nicole Mitchell, and Tamika Reed were doing all of our first performances, virtual performances, and we were kind of doing a tag team, musical tag team over the course of the event. Um, and I decided that we could call this event Keep Your Mind Free. And that event hit, hit you know, the week, it was like, I think it was a Wednesday or Thursday, and the the weekend before, um, George Floyd was murdered, and then we did this event, and then a couple days later, the uprisings started, you know, so that was a really moving, uh, um, moving experience, because the, the air was just, uh, you know, electric with you know, grief and anger and anticipation and fear, all of those things. And so when it came to writing songs, I was like, let's, let me bring back this phrase. So I'm discussing this with the group just so that they can know this in order to perform the song. We, we get through the performances, we get through the two days of that performance, and then I get home and I look at my phone and Chadwick Boseman has died. And I, I burst into tears. And I didn't know that that was, I mean, of course, no one knew that Chadwick Boseman was going to pass. But I also didn't know that the biggest black superhero, <laughs> you know, dying was going to hit me like a ton of bricks. I hadn't anticipated that. So that whole process was something that is like unforgettable to me and uh a month later going back in with Dana and Arif and Ben uh to not be able to hug or not be able to even be close to each other it was a wonderful experience to be able to share creatively but it was also still like it was like September um and we had no we had no more clarity than before so it was just, it was, it was really, it was really what I needed. And I think what we all needed at the moment. And I also feel that I hope that all of that is translated into the recordings because I just think it's an important time 
And I think it's an important energy of like coming together to try to create something and try and make something even when things are uncertain, you know, um, when, when you don't know what's going to happen to to create and imagine what's possible. Talk about the Black Monument on, Ensemble, like how, how you guys came together and how it like became a, something that you were doing. Well, the origin of the Black Monument Ensemble, I think, really stems back to my first semester teaching at Stateville Correctional Center, uh, which is a maximum security men's prison here in Chicago. I was going in to the prison and I was seeing what our justice system looks like up close. And it was really, really, really affecting me. And I was having conversations and creating work uh, there. Uh, I did a My first project there was an animation piece called Freedom Time, where I first had um, the guys in my class write about freedom and time from their points of view, their point of view, which are guys that have life sentences. So once they wrote those pieces on freedom and time, we looked at each one of them and decided which one of those pieces could be articulated in a hundred frame animated vignette. And so they drew a hundred frames of animation on tracing paper with pencil, and then we digitized those and created an animation piece out of it. And each each person's a hundred frame animation lasted about six seconds, you know. And so I thought it was a really interesting way of investigating time in a project that took us, you know, probably 11 weeks to to draw and um, have it come out to be six seconds. Anyway, I was going in and out of Stateville doing that, but on the outside, you know, Mike Brown was getting murdered and left in the street, you know. And so when the um, class was done, I was so happy with what Freedom Time became that I was like, I, I can't do art that is less than that. You know, like that that was a project where it highlighted voices that don't get heard. It was collaborative and it was impactful. It had, it, it resonated in, in the life that was around me, you know. Uh, it talked about really important things. And in a moment where there was so much kind of, you know, I mean, unfortunately, we're not very far away from that moment right now, but in a moment where there was just so much death and there was so many, you know, seemed like a black person was getting killed publicly on video left and right. And um, I stopped doing visual artwork because I needed to figure out, you know, why, you know, what good is really nice mark making what good is it in this in in this world that we're living in? So I really had to like grapple with that. And one of the ways I grappled with it is by using sound. And so I started doing these sound projects, you know, pr- these performances where I would create um, sound beds out of samples and loops, and then I would dig into my record collection and play spoken word records and whether it was like Angela Davis talking about incarceration or 
um, Ozzie Davis and Ruby D speaking, uh, like reciting Langston Hugh, Hughes poetry or, you know, or field recordings from the South during the civil rights era. I was playing these so that people could hear these words anew in this kind of contemporary context. And so the first time I did this, you know, people sat down and they closed their eyes and they listened. And then when the performance was over, people hugged each other and then they talked about what they heard. And I was like, this is really fantastic. You know, of, of all my years of playing shows, that never happened. So I continued to do that and I continued to have those experiences. Around the same time, I started working with... Um, the west side of Chicago, Austin, it's an Austin neighborhood, um, dance, um, dance company called Move Me Soul with, you know, young black, like a youth dance company. And I started working with them. And that experience was really beautiful. Just making music for performance with them just became a vital part of of my life. It was very affirming, you know, it was very, it was a, it was a thing that gave me hope where I was feeling really, really broken hearted about the world. And then as I focused more and more on listening to these civil rights era recordings, I thought because I was like, I was playing these, these words that were four decades old, three or three and a half decades old at the time, and just thinking about how much they resonate in this time, I started to think about how gospel music was the soundtrack to the civil rights era. And I thought maybe it's, you know, of course it's the soundtrack because a lot of black leaders came from the church. That was our, our community space. That was where black people in America went for all of these things, leadership, spirituality, community, all that stuff. So, of course, it makes sense that gospel music would have been the soundtrack for that. But I thought maybe it wasn't time-oriented. Maybe it wasn't only because it's the 60s. Maybe these actually, this these issues literally need black voice to address them. Black voice in in community, in collection, uh, like black voices together. So I thought, well, what if I put together a group and write in that format? It took a little while for me to get that together because I was kind of like building what I was doing sonically in these sound projects and trying to figure out what that would look like and could I write for five voices. Luckily, when the time came, I got some assistance um, from Josephine Lee of the Chicago Children's Choir, who gave me the names of, like, five adults that were in the Children's Choir, and we started working. And once we, I think they thought I was a little crazy, you know, uh, because it's not like a, I'm coming from a totally different background. I, that's not what I wrote music for in general. So I had, like recordings of me singing the songs poorly you know and they're listening to songs that are like based around weird drum machines and sample loops and i'm like and now you you have to you have to sing this but once once we 
performed it. You know, once we performed for the first time, it clicked. And then I knew that this was the thing that needed to happen. You know, it took a while, but once that was in place, I knew I could build on it and bring in a couple, you know, a couple more instruments because I really, uh, I, I wanted the music to kind of focus on, you know, rhythm and voice. So I expounded on that and then eventually I was able to bring the dancers back into the loop. And once the dancers and the, the vocalists and the musicians were all kind of playing off each other, uh, I, I, I don't know, I just was, I knew that this was the combination. And it's been a real joy working in this, with these moving parts, because get to have the, you get to have voice, we get to even have, have spoken word, we get to have dance and rhythm and 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 costumes and ah it's just it really brings me great joy to to perform with this group time is running out uh i think that it is running out for people who cannot see themselves as being a part of the human experience and the new human endeavor right. exactly. what he's saying exactly. is that you yeah. must use the moment in depth uh because you can't stretch it out on either end yeah, and that right. time is just the difference between knowing now yeah. and knowing nothing because if you know now fully it's past present and future because sometimes what happens is you get so caught up in the daily rigors of running and jumping and racing mm -hmm. that you don't have time to see that you're not going anywhere let's bring the drums back Oh 
there's so much grief there's so much anger yet uh this album is is full of this resonant uh joy of possibilities and and community and and maybe uh maybe speak elaborate a little more on that and 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 why that was so important and maybe a bit about about music as as a connector to build community i really thought that to offer something that helps us all imagine the future because it was so uncertain and it behooves us all to you know put our minds to not returning to any kind of normalcy because I feel like normal is what got us here in the first place but to imagine something new like like never in my life has the world like pressed the pause button in the way that it did and when we start to re-engage what will we do 
you know, and what 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 world will we create? I mean, will we just go back to doing everything the way we did before, or has something changed? And I think that is the kind of the point of the music. Um, for example, the song "Now Forever Momentary Space" speaks about the first verse speaks about you know what is possible or it seems impossible and talks about the moment people take flight. Um, the second verse talks about being able to turn back the clock to a, a time where that's outside the timeline um, where where nobody dies. And then the third verse says that we have access to something outside the timeline, something that um, that we already know the language and rhythm of it, and it's now, it's forever momentary space. So we have a time that we can do something that's never been done before, and that's, that's now, and that's always now, you know? Um, so to, I don't know, to be able to deliver that message through music you know, you know, art, art is something that um, affects us in a way that, you know, I love words. I love words. I'm a, I, I love poetry. I love the written word. I love novels, short stories. There is a way that we understand language. But when we are listening to music, music hits our brains in a different way. It, it sparks emotion and it lives inside of us. It lives inside our bodies. It makes us, it makes us move. It makes us tap our feet. It makes us like, you know, sway our shoulders. And so we are engaging with music in a different way than, than we engage with language. So if you attach messages to those notes and rhythms, we engage with them in a different way. And I think that's why music is so important to our lives and our histories and to our movements because we have absorbed them in a, in a different way. That's Damon Locks of the Black Monument Ensemble. I'm Katie Henriksen. You've been listening to my podcast, Sound Off, which explores creativity at the intersection of art music and literature to dig into what that work and the people making it tell us about life in the 21st century. Now, I talked to Damon Locks about his album Now with the Black Monument Ensemble that came out in 2021. He has a new album out with Rob Mazurek, which is also really amazing. It's also on an international anthem, a label that puts out so many amazing recordings. Sound Off, solely produced by me, is part of the Critical Frequency Podcast Network. You can keep up with all things Sound Off online at my website, soundoffkatie, that's K-A-T-Y dot com. You can sign up for my Substack there. You can connect with me on Instagram, all the fun stuff. You can go to any link to subscribe where you get your podcast to make sure you receive the latest episode as soon as it drops. Up next, South African percussionist Tumi Mogorosi, whose album Group Theory Black Music was one of my favorites of last year. Until next time, I hope you continue resonating with the great force of music. <laughs>